This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your bat host, Avi. And all right, so this is our last week in Batman land for a while. Batmandia, if you will. <laughs> um, we decided some time ago that initially we might consider doing this before the Batman came out. But I think because of the way our schedule worked out and things happened, uh, it ended up becoming a post the Batman episode, which is probably better, to be honest. Uh, this week, we are going to be ranking the Batman franchise, like movie franchise. And uh, the criteria so this won't be, yeah, yeah, this won't be a, a measure of who the best Batman was from each respective franchise. We're taking a look at an overall, how we felt about the stories, the characters, the writing, um, and kind of where it sits based on that. Yeah. Um, and realistically, for- I mean, we probably could rank our favorite Batman after this, but uh but really, we're specifically talking about the movies in the order in which we like them. And yeah, we're cause... only talking theatrical releases. So there are two animated movies here, but they are they were both uh, theatrical movies. And that's why they're included on this list. So mm-hmm. there's tons of DC animated movies that will just not be a part of this list because we're just doing Batman movies that had a theater release date. And uh, there we go. All right. So what we could do here, I guess, is we can start with our absolute worst. And the funny thing about this episode is, all right, we've ranked them, but we don't know what order we're putting these movies in. So number 13, like the one I still consider to be the the one I consider to be the absolute worst Batman movie of all time. I think if you would have done this episode five years ago, I probably would have said Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. But because we live in a modern world, number 13 and the absolute worst is Justice League 2017, the Joss Whedon cut. You are not going to hear any arguments from me on that. <laughs> on account uh, of that is also my number three. <laughs> I thought about it, and I know that it's become very popular to dunk on Batman and Robin for a long time. But you know what? I actually have fun watching Batman and Robin. I'm glad you did. I I forced myself to have fun when I first watched Justice League 2017. Like I literally forced myself to think I was going to enjoy this. And we were like, it's weird because like we were like gaslit into thinking that Justice League <laughs> was a good movie. I yeah I I think I gaslit myself or I think I let the internet like some idiots on the internet convince me that the movie was better than it was and uh it really is the absolute worst like it is it caused the it caused like like executive studio changes at Warner Brothers it was so bad yeah it, you guys I mean if you guys want to take a listen to what we think of the Justice League I think well I don't know I think even when we put out that episode we were still kind of biased 
we did Justice League 2021, which is also going to be on this list in a higher like place on this list. So I think when we talked about Zack Snyder's Justice League, we talked about like it just the the time that has gone by since. And the fact that we did get to end up seeing the director's vision of this movie, I think, made this movie even worse than what it was before. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just they tried to go to Marvel. They felt the pressure of the fact that they weren't going to deliver something that was worth watching or good. And it's just it has nothing to it. You know, like you get entire subplots that were cut out of it. It feels incomplete. Uh, you get CGI Superman with no mustache, which mm-hmm. looks very frightening in the scenes that he's in. Uh, the music felt like a bastardization because they literally got Danny Elfman to like do to really he he brought back like eighty nine Batman and seventy eight Superman music. Like it just felt like a like a collage of bullshit. And I think it like just. From- Remember those movies that were better than this one? Let's put music from that in here. Yeah, it's the worst. It is the Mm -hmm. worst Batman movie of all time. And anything that people might have thought was good about Ben Affleck's Batman from Batman v Superman, it is it it killed all of that goodwill. I'm pretty sure this is the movie that made Ben off Ben Affleck like an alcohol further descent in that descend into alcoholism. It is wild. All the stories we hear in 2021 where Ben Affleck says Joss Whedon was an asshole. Yeah. Where like Gal Gadot like is open about how much like how sexist he is. I mean, the entire internet now being behind Ray Fisher after getting this, you know, understanding how his entire central plot to the Snyderverse or to the Snyder cut was completely cut out and he was relegated to just saying booyah over and over again like a, <laughs> like a Simon toy like it was ridiculous and yeah that's why Justice League very appropriately is number 13 for both of us fantastic all right number 12 Batman and Robin same yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's not as, I mean, it's awful, and it was a turning point in Batman. It literally killed the franchise in the 90s, and it is the reason why it took eight years for Batman to finally return in uh, Batman Begins from Chris Nolan. So it, I guess they had seen the success of Batman Forever, which was a success. At the time that it came out, I think we've reviewed that movie on this show and we talked about how, you know, I I think that movie is hilarious. It's unintentionally hilarious now when you Mm -hmm. watch it, but it was it was pretty enjoyable. This movie, it's among other things, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze. They basically made it a big budget version of the 60s Batman TV show, which actually did not include in this list. Uh Mostly because I consider it part of the television series, uh, but it was, you know, you get Batman and Robin in skates. They go in space in a rocket in like the first like 15 minutes of the movie. Uh, Mr. Freeze gets no real introduction other than he already exists. Like it starts with this bombastic action scene in a Gotham City that looks completely like sets and nothing that would ever exist in any believable it's- reality. 
it's funny because around this time, like Batman Sub Zero comes out, like the the cartoon special, which it gives you all of Victor Freeze's backstory and really goes into like how much of a tragic character he is to the point where Batman actually feels uh, like empathy for him and tries to help him like with his wife. Yeah, Batman and- the Animated Series, the episode Heart of Ice, which is the Mr. Freeze episode, won an Emmy. Like that is how good this story can be done. And even Matt <laughs> Reeves has talked about a potential The Batman sequel, how Mr. Freeze is a villain that he would like to adapt into a modern take on Batman. I'll tell you what Matt Reeves isn't going to put in. He's not going to put an Austro-Hungarian bodybuilder <laughs> that says I'm going to kick some ice. That's for goddamn sure. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's that, it's nipples on the bat suit. Don't forget, uh, the, don't forget the bat credit card. Like, <laughs> for some reason, Batman carries a credit card because he needs to buy shit while in costume. Gotham City basically became a city with, like, giant naked Greek statues holding buildings. It, like, you get <laughs> Alicia Silverstone, like, yeah. who was coming off of Clueless and didn't really do much after. Like, you know, in the next decade, she wouldn't do much after this. And uh, she ended up playing oh, Batgirl, who was a niece of Alfred, which who was English, but she had, like, no English accent. And, like, they literally didn't feel like they were related to each other at all. And it just absolutely... It's just you could tell the people, everyone in that movie was on autopilot. George Clooney looked okay in the bat suit. It's just he was a very bland characterization and he wasn't really George Clooney yet. So it was kind of like eh, no point in in even casting him in that role. There was no explanation for why he replaced uh Val Kilmer from Batman Forever. And yeah, I think this was it. It just it was so bad that people didn't really want to go watch it. I went to go see it in theaters twice because I was seven years old and stupid. Yeah. We don't <laughs> talk about how much like seven year olds are dumb. <laughs> and... We thought this movie was amazing. Like I remember buying the Robin action figures and being like, this is cinema. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I, I, I almost feel like I need to apologize and pay my parents back for taking me to a movie theater to watch this twice. <laughs> Hey, mom and dad, here's all the questionable decisions I made. Here's 20 grand <laughs> in general. So, yeah, I don't know if you have anything else to add to this, but uh, I think that's an appropriate second worst. Oh, man, it was just, yeah. Like, I don't know what else I can add to it. I guess Uma Thurman's in it. That's kind of cool. <laughs> like, pre being Tarantino's Oh no! Wait, never mind. No, pre-kill Pulp Bill. Pulp Fiction would have come out already. Yeah, pre-kill Bill, post-Pulp Fiction, and I think Pulp Fiction was what kind of put her on the map in the nineties. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, she's in it. She plays like the nerdy Pamela Isley, and who plays um, po- uh, Poison Ivy? There we go. I don't know why I forgot her. I don't know how I remember. Bane was in that movie. It was our first live-action Bane. Oh, it was, was Luchador Bane too. Not that yeah. fucking weird. What's his name? Brisbane uh, Jaeger, British <laughs> bullshit that we got in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah. But of course, the characterization of him was at like the worst. Still, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about that one. 
they they had Woodrow Wilson in it, who I think is uh, Swamp Thing, right? Isn't he? I'm sorry, did you say Woodrow? Sorry, Wilson, Woodrow Wilson, Jason, Jason, Jason Woodrow. Sorry, yeah, Jason Woodrow Wilson, Woodrow. former president of the United States. <laughs> oh my God, dear DC. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, President reason, Swamp Thing. For some reason, Angel doesn't write letters to movie actors. You write letters to movies. <laughs> Dear Batman Forever. Um, oh. Funny enough, uh, Jason Woodrow was played by um, John Glover, who you'll probably you'll recognize him when you see him. He's been in lots of stuff. Uh, but I loved him because he actually was in Batman the Animated Series as the voice of the Riddler. And his Riddler is my favorite characterization of the of that villain until uh, the Batman. I think he plays Lex Luthor's dad in, um, in uh, what's it called, uh, Smallville. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Other Lex Luthor, I guess. <laughs> All right. Anyway, ready to move on to our next one? Yeah. Number 11. All right. I chose Batman Forever. Hey, you and I are putting together the, the same list because I also picked Batman Forever. And this was kind of hard because, like we mentioned before, we kind of did have fun. Wait, is this the one we reviewed? I forget. It, it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah, I so think it was had... the, the third. Yeah. It was the third one. The first Batman yeah. movie we reviewed was Batman Begins in the early days of the show. Then we did Batman 89 in year one. Like we did that Batman 89. We did it in 2019 in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then 2020 <laughs> during the pandemic, we reviewed Batman forever. <laughs> it's when our show jumped up, <laughs> jumped the shark. <laughs> but yeah, it's like at this point, the movie or, you know, this movie was, I think I felt kind of torn about it because I do remember us like talking about it and how fun that episode was to make because it was easy to dunk on. <laughs> and and not it, because it's just like, a, I mean, it wasn't as bad as Batman and Robin or Justice mm-hmm. League. It was just really ridiculous. And it's one of those movies where as we were talking about it, we were like discovering how ridiculous it really is. Yeah, like this is the one that has the weird neon painted like Day of the Dead gang led by Coolio. <laughs> you know, the, the, well, no, Coolio, the Coolio gang was from Batman and Robin. I confuse them. Yeah, the, the, but we did, them. but we did get the neon. The, so the neon starts in Batman Forever. We get the neon gang in Batman Forever. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, and I like the way Gotham City looks. Like it looked like this weird like amalgam of like some sort of like city with greek statues and then at the same time like what japan would look like in like a sci-fi movie or something like it really was this interesting looking gotham city it's just and and it felt more it it felt bigger than at least batman returns did so i definitely enjoyed that part of it and i think you and i even talked about this on the episode maybe one of the best movie soundtracks of all time oh yeah kiss from a rose baby yeah (laughs) If I remember correctly, this is the one where like Tommy Lee Jones just constantly is trying to explode Batman. <laughs> yes, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, to call Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey as is the- a Riddler. They were like constantly trying to out Joker each other. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was uh, really awkward to kind of see these two, especially Tommy Lee Jones, who's very traditionally a more serious actor. He's just hamming it up as a really goofy. Uh, 
Two Face, which was great. But yeah, ultimately, in the grand scheme, as far as being good Batman movies, yeah, this is pretty, pretty like low tier. Yes, low tier, but definitely worth watching as like a guilty pleasure or so bad it's good movie, especially now. All right, I, I wonder where our lists are going to start deviating. I feel like I this might be where here. it is. Yeah. All right, number ten. What is your number 10? Oh, I thought you were <laughs> going to say it. I picked Dark Knight Rises. Oh, wow. Okay. I put Dark Knight Rises pretty low. Yeah. All right. Why is Dark Knight Rises so low for you? All right. Yeah, it's it's Bane. A big part of it was Bane. And also, I think by this point, but like, you know, we rewatched The Dark Knight and we haven't reviewed Dark Knight Rises yet. But we, no. we rewatched The Dark Knight, and that's when I started noticing that Chris Nolan isn't as um, subtle about his like story meanings as he want, <laughs> as I remember him. Yes. And by the time Dark Knight Rises comes out, he's pretty much bashing you with a two by four called meaning <laughs> over your head. <laughs> and every and it's just like not only that, I think we were talking about it where Bruce Wayne is not even in costume. For mo- like in most of this movie, like I think yeah. he what in costume like twenty minutes, po- a half hour tops, and the movie run has a runtime like two and a half hours, <laughs> two hours and forty something. It's almost forty five minutes. Like it's nearly the length of the Batman, like yeah. like under ten minutes. Except and it's like the complete antithesis of it because in the Batman he spends almost ninety percent of the movie as Batman. Mm-hmm. In Dark Knight Rises, he's like barely in costume. There's only two scenes where he's actually in costume in that movie. And and like there's some stuff I do like that they do use. Like they they bring in some of the No Man Land story uh storyline where uh Gotham gets like quarantined because of a virus, so Batman has to like um essentially mobilize the the cops himself and goes into has like street fights with villains right and that's kind of what happens in this movie which is really cool um but at the same time it's like bane is like the best motivation like probably the best like written villain Mm -hmm. but it's like the more i think about it the more like i'm get pissed off at how they drop the ball on having the one latino villain that could have been represented (laughs) and because he's supposed to be this huge like intimidating like six foot five like wrestler and you know it's it's freaking tom hardy and he's like what i'm I'm the i'm the same height as tom hardy all right i like tom hardy in this so i think you and i will disagree on this because Dark Knight Rises is ranked much higher for me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's just it's just not my cup of tea, you know. And then there's the weird. I mean, it's cool. Like, I'm glad that they they do the thing with uh, what's his name, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, where they 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 allude that he can be uh, the next Batman. But it's like, no, Nolan was never. He was never good. <laughs> Nolan would never do that. <laughs> And it was just, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he outflew a nuclear explosion over the ocean. It's like, <laughs> it's dumb. It's just dumb. Like, I would have rather Alfred just been like finally going senile, and that was like a like uh, a, a vision made by dementia or something. But yeah, that's just me. All, All right. right. So, what's your number ten? My number ten is Batman Returns. 
Really? I, yeah. I think even though it's a great movie, I mean, it's a great Tim Burton movie and I like the aesthetic of it. The aesthetic of it trumps almost anything else because the storyline is awful. Um, it's the story of the penguin who is, you know, Pee Wee Herman's son, you know, Paul Rubens, who, who is most famously Pee Wee Herman plays uh, most famously for being a sex pervert. <laughs> he's a penguin's father. And uh, he, I guess, like, you know, the Cobblepots, who are a rich, affluent Gotham family, end up, you know, when they see how hideously deformed their son Oswald was born, they like throw him over a bridge in the like Tim Burton esque zoo and allow their son to like float into the sewer to where he's rescued by penguins and is raised by penguins and later becomes the penguin. <laughs> Gotham is me, penguin. He just starts shooting a Tommy gun in me. <laughs> <laughs> just like Danny DeVito in Boston Powers. Um, again, I love the aesthetic. I love the costume. Uh, Michael Keaton, this is his second outing as Batman. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, really great as Catwoman. This maybe now that after Zoe Kravitz, maybe the second best live action Catwoman ever. Mm-hmm. Um, they did everything with her from the costume to the music, all that stuff. Like it basically, she steals the movie in lots of ways. And um, I think the problem is it just felt too similar to a lot of Tim Burton stuff at the time, like Nightmare Before Christmas, which even though it's not directed by him, is just like littered with with tim burton's like aesthetic around it like Mm -hmm. it comes out the next year around that time you also had edward scissorhands come out which Mm -hmm. you know it's another like tim burton christmas movie that like subverts like you know stuff that that feels like idyllic americana and like it was just so much of it and it just it doesn't feel as unique as it did for me when i was younger Within um, three years, I think Mars Attacks comes out too. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a like the the 90s is our weird love affair with Sleepy. I mean, with with I was about to say Sleepy Hollow with Tim, <laughs> Tim Burton. Burton. But yeah, that's also a Tim Burton movie, Sleepy Hollow, which I think is in the more in like the mid like the early aughts or so. But no, I feel you. Like I can yeah like it's it's one of those movies where the aesthetic is there and definitely there's some interesting things but at the same time it's also way too goofy it's too goofy and it does things like it just takes itself too seriously because the there's at some point where the plot of the movie becomes the penguin wants to become the mayor of gotham city which is a plot from the 1960s batman show there's an Mm -hmm. episode called his honor the penguin which is essentially like it, it basically pokes fun at American elections and mm-hmm. it's like Penguin versus Batman, basically. And like how like, you know, the stuff that each of them does like affects Gotham City voters and people who are going to be voting for them. I think mm-hmm. it's it's a storyline to where if you actually cared about it and took it seriously, maybe it's good. But it was just so much of a half assed plot here and there was just too much other stuff going on that it just as you said it comes off too goofy and not even like played goofy enough so it it doesn't know if it wants to be scary it doesn't know if it wants to be serious that's Uh, what it is openly murders scary batman openly murders lots of people in this and uh breaks his rules and that's also just not something i'm too down with like here's the thing i want to put this out here right now 
I have zero problem with Batman murdering people, <laughs> but as long as the filmmaker doesn't make a big deal about Batman needing to preserve life, like as long as you don't make that a huge sticking point, and then you but if you do, if you do make it a good sticking point, then you make it so that Batman actually goes out of his way to try to save people. That's perfectly fine. You know, like you're, you're being consistent with the character and what you wrote. But if you say, hey, he, he doesn't use guns and then he has like a fucking minigun turret on the Batmobile and just starts mowing people in traffic. That's when I'm like, you know what? Something's weird here. Either make him a psychopath or don't, you cowards. Yeah. All right. We're going to get down to number nine now. So what is your number nine? It's funny. It was actually Batman Returns. Like, okay. I was I was debating between Dark Knight Rises and Batman Returns. And I'm like, well, this one has Michael Keaton. So I'm going to put that one above. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I mean, I get pretty much everything you just said pretty much <laughs> is the reason why I also put that one so low. All right. Number nine for me, Batman versus Superman. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm specifically talking the ultimate cut, which is the three-hour R-rated cut of this movie. Yeah, and boobs. It's very long. It it adds a bunch of stuff back from the original theatrical release that was missing. I know that there's people that still have a ton of problems with the t- with like you know the story and like how dark it went and the characterization of Batman. To be honest, the more I've watched it, and I have watched it a few times since it's come out, it feels like a good microcosm for where we were in 2015, 2016, Mm -hmm. because it really did feel like a kind of like what Dark Knight did, where it captured a little bit of that post 9-11. Like Batman v Superman really did kind of feel like that 2016 presidential election for me a little bit. And unfortunately, (laughs) in that in the movie i think trump is batman <laughs> like i it's just it was so much of this we have to alienate the other guy and uh, i have to take all these matters into my own hands and i have to do what it takes to make sure that you know that the alien doesn't destroy the world that we live in or doesn't come in and destroy our country and take my job <laughs> i mean okay <laughs> Oh fuck! You're gonna make me defend Donald Trump. <laughs> no, I no no no. I I, hey, I am a lot more cynical about about that 2016 election. You no, know, I mean, than yeah, I was I'm, then. I think we're both cynical. But what I mean is, <laughs> I still believe Bruce is justified in wanting to murder the alien. No, I think the alien is the hero coming oh, off I'm of sorry, Man of Steel. And I think that Batman is actually a dickhead and a complete monster. And I think my opinion, my opinion would have changed if we maybe we did get to see a uh, Ben Affleck Batman movie. But realistically, Mm. the one thing that they never that they never got into that they introduced in Batman v Superman was the death of Robin. Oh, and I think, and I think you could have got into that at some point, but they never did. And even the ultimate cut never really gets into it. But I like the story. I do like the story. It, 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 you bring in KG Beast. It is like there is a little bit of that Batman trying to solve something, you know, trying to find out who 
Wonder Woman is, like how they're crossing paths. Like I did like the way that these like, you know, characters all started crossing paths to each other. And it was for the first time, like me watching a Batman movie and feeling like there was a world that was bigger than just Batman. And I don't think that I don't think that many other movies besides Zack Snyder's Justice League captured that for me. No, yeah. Wait, what number are we on? Uh, For me, it was number nine. Okay, so um, if we go with number eight, I picked Batman versus Superman. So continuing this conversation. Yes. No, let's go. (laughs) This time it's my turn yes. to say inflammatory things. <laughs> no, I did enjoy that. I think you're right. Like Eddie and I have talked about this several times how Batman versus Superman is actually a good Batman movie mixed with a very mid Superman movie. And that's kind of what you get here is that it's just not good enough to really hang your hat on as if you're trying to make this like a tentpole movie for a franchise. Uh, that being said, the Batman parts, and I'm also trying really hard not to be biased uh, because I made it very unknown that Batfleck is like my favorite Batman. It's based on my favorite run of uh, Batman, also known as Republican 80s Batman because it was written by Frank Miller. <laughs> but, yeah, it, hey, hey, Batman v Superman Batman was Republican Frank Miller Batman. Well, I don't know. If he, I think he was more libertarian in the eight. Point is, it doesn't matter <laughs> because Ronald Reagan is made to look like an asshole in fucking in in the Dark Knight Rises anyway. That's true. I'm sorry, uh, Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, like so it does. So that's why I'm like, uh, he's he's not on one side of the fence or the other. But um, but Batman. The thing is, in this one, the only reason that I side with Batman is because. Of, the at least they go and they include the fucking terrifying scene at the very beginning of the movie where Bruce is at what is essentially ground like zero of the like leveling of half a metropolis. Yes. Uh, between the Zod and uh between Zod and Superman's fight, right? Yeah. And if they, they include that and then you see Bruce actually go and see and you know try to get people and try to help people out um, <laughs> from all the carnage, right? Uh-huh. And that's why I was like, okay, this is the Batman. This is crazy conspiracy theory Batman, whom I love. <laughs> this is Breitbart the Batman. Batman. What's up? Breitbart Batman. Shut up! <laughs> God damn it! I'm not... Don't make people think I read Breitbart. People believe the dumb shit we say. <laughs> and all of a sudden people are gonna be like oh javi loves maga and it's gonna be like no that's <laughs> but oh. this is the batman that creates the tower of babel storyline you know this is the guy that that analyzes all his best friends and finds out the best way to beat them um you know and and it's like you get to see that moment where he's like no fuck this guy like i i'm I'm going to do everything in my power to take them down. And, but the thing is, by the end of the movie, they don't really make it seem like Batman was the correct person, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you have this movie followed by the Zack Snyder cut, where you see a lot more, like, Batman, like, thinking about his actions and how he pretty much fucked the world <laughs> by going after Superman, 
um a lot of it is about is kind of like a redemption arc so it was about him like overcoming his own biases and trying to be the hero and friend that uh was needed of him that being said also the warehouse fight is awesome yeah, it is best best action movie in a batman best action scene in a batman movie we'll never be able to shake off the disgusting stink and stigma of the martha scene and it's like <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty bad and unfortunately the ultimate cut does not remove it no and that was the worst <laughs> part is like you could have edited so much of this movie out and that's the part you wanted to keep in like that was the main sticking point um but aside from that i would have i would have loved to see more uh batfleck but it was like eh. with what we got the only thing i can judge is what's in front of me and what's in front of me wasn't nearly as it is the it only live action batman movie that gave us the gray suit from the comic books as well and i love that suit that's one of my yes. favorites <laughs> it, it's a, it's a complete like bummer that justice league immediately goes back to black suit batman because you know, again, in the comics, if there's anything that set Batfleck apart from every other Batman, it was the fact that he was wearing the actual costume from the comic book. Yep. And it looked sick. All, All right. right. Number eight for you. Number eight for me is Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is mm. obviously the sequel to Batman versus Superman. And I think it's better. Obviously, it was a better movie. I think the story expanded a lot. Like, you know, it just it just was a much more expansive story. And I don't think that even Batman vs. Superman is required reading for this. All you need to know from Batman vs. Superman is that um, Diana showed Bruce, like, you know, like gave him the the flash drive that that showed who all the metahumans were. And it was the death of Superman in Batman vs. Superman at the end where he's fighting Doomsday that like sets into motion this plan this plan where Bruce Wayne essentially will become Nick Fury and try to bring a bunch of the other heroes together on earth uh to form the Justice League with Republican Wonder Nick Woman. Fury probably yeah <laughs> libertarian Nick Fury for your for your uh your thing uh this movie broke the story it breaks that uh, awful Justice League story up into chapters and it's a lot like it it just goes a lot like further into the story it's four hours long i've only seen it a couple times because it really is long and you need to give yourself the time to go through the entire story mm-hmm. um it starts with dark side and like you know from the comics and and uh you know it goes through the mother boxes and how you know dark side was banished by the old gods or kept from you know take putting the mother boxes together by the old gods and uh, in this movie, I guess he has either banished Steppenwolf or there was some things going on that Steppenwolf... He banished Steppenwolf. For. Yeah, and Steppenwolf has been punished and, and sent to Earth. And what he does is basically like try to get back in Darkseid's good graces. And the way he's going to do that is by finally bringing the mother boxes together and, uh, you know, at all costs. Uh, mm-hmm. These things were, you know, these these things are being defended by the Amazons from Wonder Woman, the Atlanteans from Aquaman, and even Green Lanterns as well. So and the the pantheon of gods too, right? Like Zeus and I think Ares uh, come to the aid of the Amazons as well. Um, yeah, this movie retcons a lot of 
the fucking bullshit story <laughs> and origin <laughs> stories from the Joss Whedon cut. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. It's just it's it's really cool to finally see all of this DC like lore, you know, Justice League stuff finally make its way on onto live action film. You know, mm-hmm. it gives me at least that kind of feeling where I think it's we talk about how good that original uh, how that original Avengers movie was because it is able to balance out the story of all these characters while at the same time it felt like you know it just felt like there was a lot of stuff where hulk got his like you know do you felt like uh captain america and iron man were all fully fleshed out from their movies before except in this one because there was less solo movies for these characters to be in uh they had to like kind of pick a character to focus on and the fact that it is you know cyborg that uh that is like the that is like the character that is most like focused on in this uh it's it's really cool and i think i hated justice league even more ever since then because that joss whedon cut he's barely in that movie at all Mm -hmm. and in this movie he is the driving force here like you go through a lot of his you know his football and like why his father like tried to save him using Mm -hmm. the mother box um the complicated relationship that he does have with his father because he's basically like a monster and it's also him kind of trying to find his way in the world that he's in um Mm -hmm. and you know it's just it's it's so good it's like in many ways he kind of feels like even a dr manhattan kind of character as well because he doesn't seem exactly human and he doesn't know what he's becoming and it's like because his powers are constantly changing and it's just a really interesting uh character to look at especially for me who's who i never really read justice league and -hmm. i never really like wasn't that familiar with cyborg from the comic books either Mm -hmm. and those chapters were very uh were very helpful because like breaking it up into that way you can devote an entire chapter to addressing you know vic stone and you can break up you know you can have an entire chapter devoted to uh barry allen you know Mm -hmm. so it was it was just one of those things that it made it more manageable and because this movie knew it it couldn't draw on solo movies for those characters it just gives you the important parts like quick breakdown of these characters what they're going through and like you said like cyborg got his due um, and so did the flash honestly like we got a little bit more of the flash as you said and um definitely now that you know we got our introduction to the speed force the fact that he i think we both talked about how good we thought when we did this episode on the show we talked about how good especially that like ending sequence is where it looks like you know where it looks like dark side is going to win and steppenwolf is going to win and basically you know that anti-life equation like is gonna go into effect it's it's the barry has to like travel back in time in the speed force to Mm -hmm. to stop them from like losing as they did in the first movie which is very again it felt very avengers doctor strange to me you know like it just had that kind of like massive scope the main difference is that this the Snyderverse went as far as showing you all the characters die. Yeah. <laughs> None of this get turned into <laughs> that is <Ash> true. <laughs> Fucking remember Cyborg got literally atomized. Like you see yeah. his skull. Like <laughs> I was like, wow, that's pretty graphic and cool. I'm like, you go, Mr. Snyder. 
Yeah. And it's definitely, it had a very grim ending as well and gave you like a, even though like Barry did end up saving the world or kept keeping, you know, uh, keeping uh, Dark Side from taking over, it just was, it, it gave you a taste of that future nightmare sequence again of a world where Superman is kind of like a dark side, like soldier. And it looks like dark side might have taken over earth because earth mm-hmm. is starting to look like apocalypse. And then we get the scene of uh, Batman and Joker, which kind really of redeemed, which yeah. totally redeemed uh, Jared Leto's Joker, I think. And uh, again, I'm not going to get into a review of that entire movie again. It definitely mm-hmm. was the better version of it. Better than Batman versus Superman, I think it's just it to comp- because it is a completely different movie, but it's an endurance test, and I know that most people won't do it. And the only reason why I liked it is because I didn't exactly watch it in a theater, and I watched it on HBO Max. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I guess spoilers because Batman v Superman. Oh no, I'm sorry, Justice League Snyder Cut was my number seven. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I think that's why I was okay talking a little bit more about on this one. It's just yeah, it's one of those movies that it focused on fixing a lot of a lot of the issues from the original cut really focused on giving giving us Zack Snyder's um original vision of the film and yeah I think watching it like a watching it from the comfort of your own home being able to stop and start uh, the chapter breaks is super helpful because otherwise I would not recommend people watch a four-hour movie in one sitting that's just Mm -hmm. that's just wild um but yeah, it was it was just one of those things. The I guess the last thing we've talked about it. We talked about the good. We talked about the bad of it. Um, ultimately, that I you know going back to that uh, to that uh, Batman and Joker uh, interaction, like it's just one of those scenes that it was. It felt like it was missing, right? Like w- with how much they were pushing for Joker to be in the DCEU, um, your your you're just waiting for the Batman and, and, and Joker to finally have some sort of interaction. And it's like, you see it and it's so like, and it, it's one of those things where it's so visceral because it's just like, it's literally Batman telling Joker, he's going to break his rule and kill him. And it's like, <laughs> it's like these two guys that hate each other that, that have this weird dynamic of hating, but not being able to live without the other um like it, it, it's cool it was a cool microcosm of what joker and batman are, are supposed to be like um so yeah it was you know from here on i guess from seven on this is the part of the list of my list anyway where it's kind of a toss-up where some of these movies aren't necessarily ranked because they're bad it's just how close to how close to the i like each one to the other yeah all right, um, my number seven. Mm-hmm. It is the Lego Batman movie. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Will Arnett stars as Batman. It was kind of a it's a spinoff of the Lego movie, which came out in 2014 and was actually pretty good. Um, it, it, it's Will Arnett's Batman was kind of like the breakout star of that, so he decided to give him his own Batman movie. Um, it's really funny. It's obviously very vain. I'm happy I'm rich Batman, but it also incorporated a lot of stuff from the comic books as well. There are like references to every single Batman movie from like out from like there's a scene where uh, Alfred is like telling 
telling uh, Batman about all the phases that he's seen him go through. And each one of them is a year that a Batman movie came out and it shows like his costume and, and, and like him doing poses from those posters as well. Um, those there, there was the characters uh, they introduced like condiment king which is such a deep pool <laughs> yeah we get condiment king we get uh billy d williams as two-face finally which is what was <laughs> promised or teased in uh, tim burton's batman and never delivered uh zach galifianakis is the joker in this movie and i guess the idea is that batman is so much of a loner that the movie is about him learning to love someone else other than himself and in this case it is his foster son dick grayson who becomes robin and is played by uh goodness michael sarah michael sarah i want to say it was michael sarah yeah michael sarah is really good in it um rosario dawson plays um barbara gordon barbara gordon yeah (laughs) and uh yeah it's such a long time yeah it also kind of feels like the space jam thing where it's like the lebron space jam movie where it's just a bunch of like warner brothers properties like at certain points it's all villains from all warner brothers properties including like what's it called uh lord of the rings characters uh stuff from harry potter and uh gremlins and it's just like becomes a little bit of everything like mm-hmm. once all of these villains that are not even just Batman villains are released from the Phantom Zone. <laughs> That's right. I need to rewatch this movie. I just remember Channing Tatum played Clark Kent. You got, <laughs> yeah. You got Jonah Hill's Hal Jordan. Jason Manzukis is Scarecrow. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was really good. And then they even do like, you know, they, they do... Uh, the mocking of the Bane voice from Dark Knight Rises and they kind of like throw it you know to 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 kind of like as a cute nod to the Dark Knight series uh the movie actually starts with a heist that's <laughs> with right. a plane heist just like Dark Knight Rises does <laughs> <laughs> it's such a fun self-referential movie it's hilarious obviously it's a kids movie right but it's one of those movies that if you're a hardcore Batman fan like you're gonna go watch it because you know how goofy Batman has been over the years, yeah. and to go watch it, it's one of those movies that's just completely fun. Like it's just a bunch of people up there on screen, or you know, just blending their voice, uh, being hilarious. Will Arnett is still funny. One of my favorite lines that I love to quote is whenever someone's being edgy, I go, "Darkness, no parents." <laughs> It's just yeah, it's just a great movie, and I guess with that I'll reveal that that Leo Batman was my number six. It would have been higher up, but I was like, no, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to be like contrarian. Like there were movies that were actually like good films that deserve to be higher up on this list, but I do want to say Lego Batman is just such a fun movie. Like there's. It's just fun. Like, go out and watch it. All right. So, number six for me is The Dark Knight Rises. Ooh. (laughs) Uh, You talked about the reasons why you did not like this movie. I will tell you the reasons I did like this movie. I think it has an excellent opening. That uh, plane heist scene where they do capture that guy on the plane is really good. 
I think Bane, despite the fact that he's not Bane from the comic books and outside of breaking Batman's back, like he feels very little like his comic book counterpart. Um, It is an interesting like way to incorporate an existing Batman villain into the Batman Begins world that Chris Nolan had created. Um, I like the fact that a lot of the movie is about, you know, Batman finally ending his like mission like in this series he was only Batman for like two years and the idea is that the ending of the Dark Knight really left a you know it 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 basically ended crime in Gotham for eight years it allowed them to pass a law like a draconian law that basically like automatically imprisoned a bunch of people (laughs) you know and it needed like something needed to change for what's it called uh for gotham to be able to be taken over by bane and it would take something drastic for batman do to finally return Um, george bush batman yeah it definitely was george bush batman um it it was came around the time of uh you know there's i feel like it's the widening wealth gap uh you know we were post we were post the recession which is where dark knight kind of like came in and mm-hmm. there was starting to be a growing divide between like you know the top one percent and the d- dissolving of the middle class and just like how the working class and the you know the wealthiest people in this country the gap is just widening ever widening and i think it it was getting us to the place where we finally will be in the batman and i think i like i mean i I do like the fact that that chris nolan came back to finally finish the story that he had opened batman begins because just it didn't make sense that someone who had such a worldwide reach like Ra's al Ghul in the first movie would just like die. And then all of a sudden the league of shadows would dissolve. You know, you would think that there would have been some sort of splinter group that came from it. And in some way, someone was going to come and take their revenge. That's true. It was like how in rush hour three, when <laughs> they arrest oh. one guy and then the cop comes up to Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker is like congratulations <laughs> gentlemen you defeated the triad <laughs> oh rush hour three and you you insult me for the for like the movies that I compare other movies to and we're going rush hour three to dark night rises <laughs> <laughs> that that reference was for like me and like five people. Because <laughs> I don't think anyone remembers Rush Hour Three. I do. You know, yeah, you're one I of actually, the five people. Yeah, I'm one of the five people. I literally own Rush Hour Two, Three on DVD. <laughs> Ugh, you're part of the problem. <laughs> no, I do. One thing I will say that Dark Knight Rises does well is it actually does. It presents. It's the first time it asks its audience to hey. You know, is the villain really the bad guy? And then you find out that he's actually just kind of a simp, and you're like, oh no, yeah, he is. <laughs> All righty. And I think with that, that takes us to our number five. Mm, your number, wait, well, your number was six Lego was Batman. Lego. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, so number five. The, the order, if you haven't noticed, ever since we deviated, I think at 10. Yeah, has just been your neck or mine. <laughs> yeah. Like we're one off, essentially. We've really, it's really been a clean conversation because I think you and I haven't ranked these very far apart. Yeah, like I mean, I don't think many people would. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure what we're saying about these movies is pretty universally accepted. I don't think we're giving any Stephen A. hot takes over here. All right. Number five for me, Batman 1989. Oh, interesting. Go on. Well, this was the first Tim Burton Batman movie. It is the movie that introduced me to Batman as a kid. Um, Jack Nicholson as the Joker was the Joker for me for years and years and years before I saw The Dark Knight. Um, I just like a lot about it. It feels like they've taken the... like It felt like even before Tim Burton kind of became one note and started doing the same gothic Christmas movie over and over and over again. Like it was something that was akin to both an 80s movie and also felt like a throwback to a 1940s like gangster movie at the very same time. And uh, it has this like Gotham City has this crazy timeless quality to it. And it really was just like a big movie that had come out in the 80s, like before I was even born. But it was still such a big deal. Like this movie was the reason why stuff like Batman Forever was such a big deal in the 90s, because Mm -hmm. it was people trying to recapture the hype from Batman 89. And it really was the best movie of that first like four movies in this franchise. So um, I definitely enjoyed it. I definitely like uh, Jack Nicholson in it. I like the Prince music. It's so goofy and enjoyable. And they have like the maps, which include all the sets from these movies in uh, in Batman Arkham Knight, which I like still like to play uh, to this day. It influenced the Lego Batman video games. Um, I think it's just it's it's a movie that like it's so funny to look back at it now and think that this was dark Batman, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, for for an entire generation. But it was. And uh, yeah, I I don't think there's much negative I can say about it. And the only reason why I have it ranked five is because the movies that are ahead of it, I just think are are better. Better, Yeah. And it's funny because that's kind of how between my four and five for sure are like that um yeah i can't really take away anything from these movies it's just that there's better movies than these movies <laughs> but like for five, my five is actually batman begins and you know what the pros of it is it's a very well adapted version of beer one i think uh you know you get to see bat or you get to see bruce wayne's journey um and i think uh, the thing is this is fresh this is like before chris nolan started like you know shooting you with his like what's it called uh story guns you know (laughs) like yes it it wasn't as uh it's still it's still a little bit more subtle than you know dream within a dream within a dream and big foghorn noises like this this is uh you know they're trying to ground batman as much as they can in reality um you get to see him literally construct the suit you get to see him incorporate his training from the league of shadows this kind of begins the sassy Alfred trope, which personally I love. I love sassy Alfred. <laughs> and, um, you know, I need to, like, of course there were some problems though. Like I wasn't a huge fan of a lot of the camera work in this movie, especially like, for example, the Falcone uh, doc scene where we find, where they do such a good job. Like it's one of those things where they do such a good job of concealing what Batman looks like throughout the entire scene where he's taking out all these criminals um you know that it, it's almost it's almost like they took uh they took uh hints from like slasher movies where you don't show him nearly as much or always off in the off in the distance 
And then finally, when you do get a chance to see him, unfortunately, the camera work sucks balls. <laughs> and it gives you like vertigo trying to keep up with the action at times. Um, but yeah, this is this is no longer like goofy throwing haymakers Batman. This is a Batman that actually knows how to fight. He actually has a developed fighting style. Um like it's just, and it, and like I mentioned, it's it's very year one. It's very an amateur crime fighter learning how to do this. Um you know, you have Cillian Murphy, who does a fantastic job as Scarecrow. Um, the plot, even his plot, for example, like Scarecrow trying to, like, you know, taint the water supply. Very comic book Batman, very 60s Batman, but it's so updated and dark that you're like, oh, this is this guy's like a legitimate threat. Um, yeah, this is, you know, this is also kind of sets the tone for what Batman is, is that sometimes batman isn't a kid's movie sometimes batman isn't a kid isn't a movie for uh for the family sometimes it isn't it can be an adult story um you know with very complex characters and very complex situations especially as we see um you know with other with as like some of these storylines develop too all right yeah all right so I'm glad you brought up Batman Begins because Batman Begins is my number four. That's hella funny because my number four is Batman 89. <laughs> <laughs> we basically just like swapped on this one. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of the movies that we did in the early days of the podcast. I think it has only grown in esteem for me. I think it's so good. Like just going back to it, I, I love the world that it creates. I love all the Batman year one elements of it. The fact that we finally got a Batman origin story. Um, I really thought that Ra's al Ghul was an awesome villain for this. I think the only thing that I'm a little disappointed with is like how little the Scarecrow is in this movie. But obviously, it like you know, it was a movie where Chris Nolan wanted to put more of the focus on the hero as opposed to the villains. So mm-hmm. the Which making with Ra's al Ghul, like having him directly tied to Batman's origin, made a lot of sense for the purposes of this movie. And then having Scarecrow be more of a side character as opposed to a main villain, it just made more sense in the world that was being built here. Um, mm-hmm. It is, it's, it's not as good, obviously, compared to the other movies that I'm going to have on this list. But again, it's, it's, it's the quint, it's like the perfect Batman origin movie. And I think it's because it is so good. And the fact that we've had Batman rebooted twice since then, mm-hmm. and they've never felt the need to go back to the origin story again. I think it's just, it's, it's good to just leave it here as this is the Batman origin story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, I, I think there it, that Chris Nolan created such a cool world in this that actually, like the sequels, it ended. I feel like the sequels, in some ways, ended up changing from what I thought it was going to be uh, because they, he, the aesthetic does change so drastically in the next movie in this franchise. Mm-hmm. But, but it's still really good, and uh, yeah, I'm glad we did it. And obviously, if you want to hear my thoughts on it, then go back in the archives and listen to it. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing another episode, nerds. But uh, I can. I think one other thing, the only other fault I can think of this movie is how weird and infallible it treats Batman's parents. Um, and I mean that's something that gets addressed in a later movie we're gonna talk about. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where it really focuses a lot and on uh, Bruce Wayne's parents, which I always felt was kind of weird. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Batman Year One. It's great. Like you get to see early, you get to see early um, Commissioner Gordon, um, and you start kind of seeing like the birth of of what I will never get with it, which is kind of Gotham Central. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, to round off number four or my number four, Batman eighty nine is yeah it's the it's the granddaddy of them all you know it's the movie that kind of started a lot of the superhero craze even um because it was done well you know it was a movie that focused on on capturing like the campiness of batman while still trying to be dark um it wasn't necessarily scary but it definitely caught like it had you know like if it was a movie that felt like it had stakes you had a great performance uh, from Jack Nicholson as the gangster um, Joker, like you mentioned, kind of bringing elements of noir movies, bringing in elements of uh, crime movies. Like the, the I, one of those things. One of the things about Batman '89 is it kind of has the pro. It, it's like the prototype to how to make a good superhero movie now, where it brings in these elements from different genres to make an interesting story and it focuses more on the story than it does the actual characters like yeah we know this is a batman movie you don't got to slap my face with it every five minutes um but like you know devote that to also telling me a good story a good crime story you know which it does um it's fun <laughs> it's one of those movies that's just fun to watch like you mentioned the soundtrack's fantastic and michael keaton is just a completely you know it's it, is a completely different Bruce Wayne than what is than what what we're used to, right? Someone that can be calm, cool, and collected, and then just out of the blue starts smacking people with a fire poker and says, "Let's get nuts." But yeah, that's that's my Batman eighty nine at number four. So number three, number three for me is an animated movie, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Um. I think for, it, it came out, uh, I think, between the first and second season of Batman, the animated series. So it's mm-hmm. in the style of the animated series. Uh, the Joker is one of the villains in it, played by Mark Hamill, who would like, you know, obviously he and Kevin Conroy become famous for being Batman and Joker, like in mm-hmm. everything from from cartoons to voiceover to like video games. Video games yeah. yeah to even like it's just like special features like these guys become batman and joker for the next 30 years after this and uh it's a story that takes place in year two of batman basically like i mean it's done in half flashback and half in the present so um you know bruce wayne is is looking for uh this serial killer i guess you know his name is the phantasm and he's just, basically he's murdering mobsters and Batman has to do a little detective work to find out like why the specific mobsters are being targeted by this killer. And uh, while he's trying to figure that out, you know, a, an old girlfriend of his, Andrea Beaumont, comes back into Gotham and he is like kind of sparking up a relationship with her. And as he's trying to find answers for who this killer is and why he's targeting these mobsters, um, you get these flashbacks of Bruce and Andrea's relationship, how he did want to become Batman at one point early on, but he had fallen in love. And it was basically like 
him questioning whether he did want to continue with this like kind of Batman project that he was going to get involved in. And uh, at some point he has fallen so deeply in love with this woman that he decides that he's actually going to get engaged with her and that that's going to be his life. And, um, you know, something happens in the movie that ends up, you know, obviously ends up not happening and uh, Andrea and Bruce end up separating and he ends up becoming the Batman and, you know, it's just it's such a good job at intertwining those stories together while not feeling overly complicated. It's just it's so mature for a cartoon movie, which it's supposed to be. And I think because it was like, you know, the it was film rating as opposed to something on Saturday morning cartoons, they were able to get away with like more violence. It was bloodier and it just felt a little bit more mature than even the TV series. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is number three, right? Mm-hmm. So my number three, and I'm probably gonna catch shit for this because people are gonna be like, "Oh, you're so contrarian." Is my number three is actually The Dark Knight. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, I'll explain more why when I talk about Mask of the Phantasm, but it's not necessarily that. And that that like, I'll admit that there's like some bias there, and that's because like the to me, Bruce, the Bruce Tim series, um, including Mask of the Phantasm, is just like such a quintessential like this is the definitive batman saga like anything related to that i feel is 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 like kind of untouchable at that point um but the dark knight that now that is not any knock on the dark knight the dark knight for the longest time was to me the the like definitive batman movie the number one uh, between the interactions between like just the story the story is telling you right heat with superhero and a supervillain like <laughs> you have a uncorruptible hero who's fighting a villain whose entire mission is to is to create chaos um and just the interactions between batman and joker in this movie are fantastic heath ledger giving you freaking masterclass on how to how to play a villain character um and of course like we i think we talked about it when we did talk about the dark knight where it's one of those things where it's like yeah like maybe people do look at this movie with the fondness because it was heath ledger's last role or second to last role um but it's one of those things where it's like, no, he actually did do a fantastic job as the Joker. And like just every like this movie um, just did a such a fantastic job of telling you a dark adult Batman story, um, you know, show, showing you to the point of making Batman the villain by the end of the movie. I mean, of course, like I mentioned, there's some faults like I, I to this day, I hate I hate. um why am I forgetting Gordon's name? <laughs> I hate Gordon like telling his son this monologue about what Batman has to become and how he's our silent protector in the dark. Oh night. my goodness. What? I'm am just, I... I'm, yeah, I'm shocked. I'm shocked by that. Well, remember that how I told like you? That. I told you it comes off so ham fisted and so like, but I mean, at the time, the first time I saw it, I'm like, this is so good. But then like, I don't know, as I've gotten older, I started appreciating more subtlety in those sort of things. <laughs> like, I don't need to get punched in the face with the meaning of the movie. 
Um, and don't get me wrong, it's still like it's still good. It's still a fantastic movie. It's the movie that gets the formula right. If you want to make a good superhero movie, you don't have the focus be on just your superheroes. You focus on telling a good story. This is a fantastic crime movie. It's a fantastic detective movie. I mean, kind of like. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you want. If you want to say Batman's a detective in the loosest sense of terms and that he investigates crimes, I guess. maybe <laughs> He's at a crime scene or two in that movie. <laughs> As he punches the evidence. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things where it's like the focus is is, is so driven on the on the dynamic between the hero and the villain. Um, but, yeah, like, I guess I, I might as well talk about my my number two. Uh, it's just that Mask of the Phantasm has such a soft spot, you know. It, it's like just the, the entire Bruce in between the animated series. Um, like you mentioned, it's one of those movies that, like, it even though it's using the animated medium, it's not treating its audience like as immature or, or unprepared for uh, these types of stories. And it's able to present like this dark, like sad romance in a way that kids can understand and that kids can like, like, I think it's a, it was a PG 13 movie or like rated PG. Um, but it was like, just so well done. Like it was so well paced and it was like the, the, the character of the phantasm was so iconic that it, they even get brought back at the end of justice league unlimited when they want to tie off the, the, the Bruce Tim universe, you know? Um, so yeah, like, Mask of the Phantasm, again, I completely admit I'm biased. It's the same way that I was biased for the longest time when I would say Into the Spider-Verse was the best Spider-Man movie. Um, obviously, that's changed now. <laughs> but it was one of those things where it's like certain movies hit me in a certain time where I'm just like, no, that's just special to me. And that's it, you know? So, right. yeah. So, I guess you're number, number two. Yeah, number two for me, obviously, is The Dark Knight. Um, I think, and I think we talked about it even during our The Batman episode. Despite the fact that it's not number one on my list, I still think that we may never see a comic book superhero movie that captures... It, that really just captures an entire year on film and becomes the best movie of that year. And it doesn't matter how close some things like, you know, Avengers Endgame was huge and everyone saw it. And it was one of those things that people couldn't wait to talk about. And everyone like kept quiet about spoilers. The same thing happened with Spider-Man No Way Home. It's just like, you know, or even the original Spider-Man series, like there have been big comic book movies that have kind of like, been defined or been a definition of the era that they were made in i think that there are a few movies in the genre that like so perfectly felt like head and shoulders above the best movie that entire year and i talked about it in our dark knight episode it was the best movie of 2008 it is one of the best comic book movies of all time it's one of those few movies that like it has a perfect beginning like, I think it's one of the best openings of a movie ever. It introduces maybe one of the greatest, like, villains in a comic book movie ever. Um, and it just does such a good job of pushing the story from for holding your attention for two and a half hours um, and showing you how the rise of Batman has given rise to the Joker 
and how it just captured the frenzy and panic that we all felt, you know, post 9-11 and the year you know, after the Great Recession was basically when the Great Recession was basically kicking off, as well as the hope of the Barack Obama election that was happening that same year. It's just it's so weird. It captured so much of the world that we were living in in the movie, even though some of it like might have not been intentional. Obviously, the movie came out like six months before the election of Barack Obama. So it just felt like, you know, hey, between the Harvey Dent election stuff, the viral marketing campaign, it just captures an era so perfectly. Um, and it is just a really good movie. I, mm-hmm. If we were doing this, you know, episode two weeks ago or three weeks ago before I saw the Batman, I probably would have called it number one. But it's it's number two because number one is the Batman for both for both of us. Yeah, <laughs> I know. If, I think if the Dark Knight would have been number two, I would or your number one, I would have been a dick and gone a little bit harder on the things I didn't like from the Dark Knight. Which mm-hmm. I mean, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's a it's a great movie. But I mean, this fucking movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is the pinnacle of Batman on film. It's you would never imagine that like the fourth time that this thing has been rebooted or the fifth time that it's been rebooted, that they're going to be able to show us stuff that we haven't seen before. But they did. Mm -hmm. They captured the things that we liked about something like Mask of the Phantasm. It's an intricate mystery story. It's Batman looking for a killer. It's like showing the early days of Batman, like while he's dealing with both supervillains and the mob at the same time. And it's just I Matt Reeves just perfectly captured what I think of when I think of Batman, meaning Batman hunting a killer, maybe looking for help from other villains in his rogues gallery, uh, being in a Gotham City that feels lived in where we don't have to have, you know, a villain, a movie. You know, mm-hmm. like we can have all the villains be in Gotham City. They're all just at different levels from where you're going to recognize them. Like in this one, the Penguin is more of a mob enforcer as opposed mm-hmm. to the crime boss that he will likely become later in his own series. Um, Catwoman is in the movie just enough. She's there helping Batman, uh, you know, when it suits what she's trying to accomplish. And at the same time, she's not afraid to give him shit for just being a rich guy who wants to beat up poor people. And it includes a Batman arc. Like, you know, we get an actual arc of like, it's not just holier than thou Batman. Mm -hmm. It's like him discovering for himself throughout the journey of the movie that he can't just be like a vigilante that is looking for revenge against Mm -hmm. you know the person who killed his parents in fact they even take away the motivation of him killing his parents in some ways by making it less of a yes it's 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 the event that triggered him wanting to become batman you know and it is and and his like revenge is what he wants to do which is kind of like they do they spent like five minutes on it in batman begins (laughs) but Mm -hmm. this one is like the entire movie is him going from you know like just punishing criminals for doing crime and like him instead looking to become a hero a beacon of hope and Mm -hmm. it does all the stuff that gary oldman's monologue that you hate at the end of dark knight does but it's like but it's not someone that has to say it for him it's it's him but it is in voiceover he is saying it in voiceover 
about himself, but mm-hmm. it feels less like let's all praise Batman and more, you know, when you get out of that movie, you're like, yes, this was a perfect Batman movie. It was three hours freaking long, but it took its time to tell its story. It gave and us it was a fantastic it. villain. It lives in a world that feels like it's out of a comic book, but at the same time feels like the world we're living in. It captures the world that we're living in very closely, meaning here we are in a city that's ever changing with all these different races like that are all convening. You know, it's the least it's the least only white person Batman movie. Uh, which I appreciate, like you know, because outside of Lucius Fox, a lot of the Nolan movies, it's all it's it's too many it's too many white characters in it. Sounds about white. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it 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 feels so much more of the moment. And we already did an episode on that movie as well, so please go listen to it in the archives if you'd like. We talked about it in that movie when we did that review. We're talking about it again. It is the best Batman hands down. Period. You can put Mark Ruffalo from Zodiac as batman that character you know the 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 police officer trying to trying to capture zodiac as like the main character you can make him a detective you could have made it gordon you could make it gordon just trying to capture a a, a villain or a serial killer and it still would have been a fantastic movie you know like it's one of those things where it's it's so fo- it, it's so focused on the story it wanted to tell and it knew the story it wanted to tell and it was able to present it in a way where you can be surprised regardless of who you are. Like Angel and I, I, you know, I've been reading Batman comics since I was like 14. Same with Angel. Like we, we are very entrenched with this character. We know a lot of this character's lore. We know a lot of the cinema, the backstory and all that. We all know that um, that Riddler is Edward uh, Nigma, and well, in Edward Nash in, in, um, the Batman but it was one of those things where it didn't matter it was inconsequential because they crafted such a good story where uh, like Edward Nash was the catalyst to learning about everything else that was going on and you know honestly giving you the awesome mystery of you know did Thomas Wayne really ask for that uh, the reporter to get killed did he really go to Falcone you know it's one of those things that even after the movie you think you have an answer, but you still don't know, you know? It's it's just very well done. Like you said, it captures a comic book like setting so well in a lived-in city where it just doesn't feel like there's a roster of villains just waiting at Arkham to break out for their chance to have a movie. Like the fact that we have three main um, Batman characters in the Riddler, uh, Penguin, and Catwoman all in the same film like it feels like this this gotham is just as much of a character as any of the any of the people you know um and again like the 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 best part is seeing you know batman's growth arc seeing him go from this angry bitter amateur crime fighter who's blurring on rorschach from watchmen which then makes you more afraid of him than anything but who learns about how short-sighted he is and accepts those criticisms and then pushes himself to become more than that, you know, Um, to the guy, to becoming that beacon of hope, to becoming that person that, that is willing to stay and, you know, dig through rubble by himself to pull survivors out of uh, Gotham Square Garden, you know, 
um like it's one of those movies that just like it just sticks with you it's just fantastic um and like and like we said it's one of those things where you're you're not it's not gary oldman telling you that you know that uh what get what batman needs to be and that we all need to be praising him but what i loved about it is it's more the realization of what he needs to be um and him taking the vow which isn't um you know the vow isn't to 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 punish criminals it's to save gotham and i'm just excited to see what's going to come next you know yep all right so that's it that is our ranking of these batman movies so we will give batman a break for a little while after this and we'll go back to our format of uh weekly reviews uh after this episode but you know hey we appreciate you guys uh listening to this episode and we do appreciate the interest and entertainment that people have gotten from us reviewing batman like i I think that people were genuinely surprised and probably thought we were going to be more negative on it. <laughs> and I think the reaction that, that that people have had to our thoughts on the Batman has actually been a welcomed reaction by all. So uh, I know I think our reactions kind of push some people in our circles to go watch. It. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been fun talking about this and kind of jumping back into my fandom for a few weeks. And also given the fact that it's just, you know, it's been good to get excited about this again. Uh, But I'm also looking forward to us uh, kind of leaving comic books behind for a little while again and moving back more into, uh, you know, a a weekly format and maybe jumping into some of the other genres that, you know, that we've also been that we also cover on this show so thank Mm -hmm. you for joining us for this episode please continue to interact with us on social media leave us you know suggestions for stuff that you want us to review so that we can try to fit it in our schedule if you can um give us reviews on apple Podcasts, please if you can uh it helps us uh up the visibility of the program and uh yeah i guess even in spotify you can leave reviews now so if you use spotify as a platform that you listen to it on find a way to get us a review tell people that we are important and we matter so that we can actually try to get more monetary compensation from this show. Give me money, please. Please. (laughs) Have you seen gas prices lately? Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, thanks y'all. We appreciate you guys checking us out and staying with us. All right. Later y'all.